everyone, Zach Dixon here, and welcome to our 12th episode of Animalators, curious conversations from the world of animation. I can't believe we've done a dozen episodes already. Thanks so much to all of you who are listening and sharing each of these episodes. Before we get started, I have some exciting news to share. Gradient, the podcast network we're a part of, has officially launched their full website, gradient.is. So now not only can you hear great podcasts like this one from Gradient, but you can also read daily content on their site like news updates, pop culture commentary, movie, TV, and music reviews, tech, sports, and political analysis, personal essays from some of today's most thoughtful writers, and tons more. Go check it out right now. Gradient.is. You guys are going to love it. Okay, on to today's episode. Today on the show, we have the great Marcus Eckert. Marcus is a programmer and motion designer based in Oslo, Norway. He has had an excellent career as an animator, working with clients like AT&T and Zinio, uh, the magazine app for iPad, uh, until he brought his skills of animation to programming with his iOS game Wide Sky, which was nominated for a Webby, uh, featured as App of the Week by Apple, and netted over 2 million downloads. Since then, Marcus has worked on other programming projects, including the Reuters TV app, which is packed with tons of animated goodness, and is continuing to develop his own UI framework called Meek, which focuses on seamlessly combining the worlds of animation and programming. We'll also chat a bit about a very exciting new tool Marcus is developing called Squall, which allows you to quickly test and implement animations for iOS development directly in After Effects. I'm excited to get into all this coming up on this week's episode of Animal Leaders. Well, Marcus Eckert, thanks for coming on the show. We are so pumped to have you. Well, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, Marcus, I, I feel like I have, uh, well, it's been three years since, since you came out with a game called Wide Sky. Uh, and then, I don't know, maybe four years or so since I've been loving and learning from your motion design skills. I still go back to these, these videos, just, just peeking in on some of these incredible keyframes that you have going on here. Um, so I'd love to get into all that. Uh, but first, let's, let's kind of take it back. Let's start. How did you get started into animation? Right. Um, so that must have been about, I want to say, 2008. Uh, I wanted to, the goal was not to get into animation or to get into design or anything like that. No, the goal was to win a PlayStation. <laughs> uh, my mom had always, or my parents really, had something against consoles. They would never let me have one. And I feel like it seeped into my brain and into my consciousness. <laughs> and I would not dare to buy a console. Uh, and so I needed to win one, logically, because, you know, I mean, they can't expect me to turn down something I've won. Uh, but, you know, you don't want to leave it up to luck. So you want to kind of like find a competition that has a PlayStation uh, as a prize. Uh, and, you know, there were some creative competitions out there. And one of them was uh, to kind of make some, some kind of video or something. And there was this program I had heard about. And it's kind of Photoshop, but for video. And it was called After Effects. Oh, man. And, and, and then, you know, I kind of, oh, what, what the hell is this? And, <laughs> uh, this can't possibly be really Photoshop for video, but I guess it kind of is. And, you know, it turned out this was a lot of fun. I, I trashed the room of my roommate while she was away and kind of used it for, uh, for props and, and all of that. And I had, like, a green screen and all of that. <laughs> wow, you, uh, got, you got into it. It was it was quite a production. Um, <laughs> I, I did not win a PlayStation Three, uh, no. unfortunately. Oh, but no. but I did, I did gain a hobby, so in that sense, uh, wasn't all bad. Yeah, and so um, turned out this was a surprising amount of fun, and you know, I qualified as a hobby, and then I was actually studying to be a journalist, so nothing motion is unrelated. Yeah. But I stumbled upon this hobby, kept this going, and eventually, I actually did win some competitions. Nice. So I made I made some money from that. I bought. Um, this this early Canon camera, the first one that could shoot video, was like four thousand euros. Crazy expensive. <laughs> Crazy. Expensive. Is that the seven D maybe? No, it was the five uh, D Mark II. Nice, nice, nice. Um, and so, or maybe yep. it wasn't quite that expensive. No, it wasn't that expensive. It was like two five or something. But you know, very expensive for a student. You know. Yeah. Um, and so I bought that eventually with some of the prize money I got. And so you know, I kind of up the ante and, and up the production value. 
Uh, and yeah, I kept I kept that up for like three years, and then I I found out or discovered that I'm terrible at writing oh, no. journalism, <laughs> and I should I should I should trash that idea. <clears throat> and um, so I immediately had another terrible idea. Uh, let's uh, let's become a therapist because uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to be uh, a psychologist or a psychotherapist. Yeah. Um, Turns out also a terrible, terrible idea. Uh, I discovered that half a year later, and then you know, after having exhausted all all other solutions, I thought, I thought, well, you know, I kind of have this student job going, and at, at this point, I actually had done also some client work, and you know, actually, like out of you know, not a competition, but rather regular work work where you don't have to pitch, and you know, it's kind of unsure if you're getting paid. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I had done some stuff for clients and then I thought oh, this is actually fun this pays fairly well it's uh, you know it's it's a hobby as a job that sounds pretty perfect and so then I made the jump to actually go into uh, into motion design wow. as a freelance so I'm I'm curious did you like were you able to build a portfolio then through these competitions that you're entering oh yeah absolutely um, I mean I, th I think one of my first clients was Zinio, which is like a digital, I want to say, uh, news. Uh, well, they sell magazines, like kind of uh, newsstand on the iPhone. Before that yeah. was, before that was there, uh, and so they were a client for a competition. So I like pitched something for them. I actually won that competition, but then they came back to me and said, "Hey, you know, you just want to do like a regular thing for us." And so you know, I, I put them out on Vimeo. People kept responding you know and then that's i guess i, I don't know I, I guess it still works like that for a lot of people then you get messages hey i really like your stuff uh, i have this uh, app or something you know uh, and i need a video for that and, you know that's kind of uh, kind of how i got a foot in the door yeah, uh, yeah. and then that's how i also build a portfolio yeah okay so i'm I looked back on your Vimeo videos from like, you know, five, six years ago and like, man, th there's no way that these are like your first entry into design. Like, did you, did you start into like Photoshop ahead of time? Uh, well, to be honest, uh, the stuff on Vimeo that's like heavily selected, sure, I would, yeah, yeah. I would go back in there. I would go back in there and then also take some out because I felt like, First of all, I don't want to get hired to do any of those videos ever yep, again. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so I took those out, and then I took the ones out where I felt like, oh god, this is uh, this is terrible on some other level. <laughs> uh, and you know, I don't want to be associated with that any longer. I don't want to attach my name to that. And so you know, you get obviously a distorted, uh, in my favor, distorted um, you know sure. sense of uh, of what I, I do, and you know how, how good the videos really are. No, but I was well. I want to say. Uh, yeah, I, I did a lot of flash stuff and websites when I was a kid. Uh, I guess, you know, photo, I had some basic Photoshop skills, but nothing, I never really thought of myself as a creative type or anything like that. In, in Germany, where, where I grew up or lived for <laughs> 26 <laughs> years, um, uh, you have to choose either to go into music or to go into art at like uh, grade 10, I want to say. And I remember, I very distinctly remember thinking, oh God, oh God, I hate both. I really, <laughs> really, I really hate both. I can't, uh, you know, I can't play an instrument. I really hate drawing things. And so I, I opted to go for music. Also a terrible idea, but you know, <laughs> they, were only, they were only terrible choices. Uh, and so, you know, I never thought of myself as a creative type. And so not, not really a also came to me as a surprise that that was that much fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, where were you learning at that point? Like, how were you kind of acquiring these new skills? Was it just, you know, try and fail? Or, or were there kind of resources or friends? Um, well, I, I did have friends, but they, uh, they <laughs> weren't of much help uh, in that regard. <laughs> um, no, it was, well, the internet. Uh, I always felt like very empowered by that sense of, you know, you can get everything on the internet. You just have to know how to look for it. Um, and, you know, that holds especially true for stuff, for digital stuff. Like, yeah. you know, how, how do I maneuver around After Effects? And I mean, back then it wasn't like it is now, but you still had Video Copilot, obviously, oh, yes. Creative Cow. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, you would, you would go through all those tutorials kind of skip through them and see, oh, that's kind of a cool technique. And, you know, you would 
um, merge that into your toolbox uh, and now you know how to do this little tiny thing and I felt like you know after a while you get better um, you know just with practice just with doing stuff you get better and you learn more techniques and then you can recombine them and make something something cool I always I always very distinctly remember that when I was on a new project and the project was done I would kind of think about the project and thought yeah, I, I learned something new again. This is insane. I've been working with After Effects for three years, and I still <laughs> learn. Like, I feel like I uh, learned something fundamentally new every time uh, I'm on a project. And, you know, th that was, uh, on the one hand, kind of disappointing, but also, you know, very exhilarating. Yeah. Because, you know, then you know there's still so much room to grow. Oh, yeah. So I, I've always been in incredibly inspired by... Um, I don't just your sense of of motion and keyframing. Um, I feel like I I admit I have gone frame by frame on on quite a few of your videos just to like look at kind of these pops and and all these little flourishes that you're adding to things. Like, where did that all come from? Is that did that come from uh, some other people who inspired you, or is that just kind of trial and error over over time? You kind of finding your style. Well, I, I probably did it exactly like you did. Uh, yeah. You know, I. Uh, Jorge was definitely who was on your show uh, a while back. Um, he was definitely huge inspiration, and you know I would have no shame in stealing and stealing, <laughs> and, you know, just taking what I think should be mine, uh, like in in terms of techniques and and visual styles. And you know, you, you go, you um, download them, the videos, put them into After Effects, or um, just get some method to go frame by frame through the video, uh, and then yeah, you analyze it, and and I feel like. The first time you watch a video, or at least that holds true for me, is you get this sometimes this almost physical sensation of this is awesome. Like mm, yeah. everything falls into place. This has such a beautiful sense of rhythm that you need to know, okay, what triggers this? What exactly is it that makes me feel that way? Because I want to make others feel that way. Uh, and I want to like kind of capture the essence of, of, of what that is. Um, and so, yeah, I, I did exactly that. And, you know, you, you, I have my likes on Vimeos. I still do that. <laughs> Um, and you go through the likes list whenever you like have a project or, or something and then okay this this is kind of good this is good this is good you open all the tabs and then you know you go through all the videos again and again yeah. um, and then you know you steal you take that uh, which which I think I sometimes get like uh, emails and saying oh this video this looks like really uh, almost identical like yours and I'm like no no it kind of really doesn't and I feel like <laughs> it's and I feel like it's totally okay if people mm. take some inspiration and unless they take the exact same video you made and put their name on it, sure. I'm like, well, totally fine. If they, I feel like it's, it's absurd. I didn't come up with a rectangle. I didn't come up with a show. <laughs> and, and so I always find it very like, annoying when people <laughs> would write me an email or someone ripped you off, quote unquote, yeah. which I think it's, it's not really possible to rip someone off. So a little while back you mentioned... Um, kind of the rhythm, and I, and I feel like your your kind of style is very rhythmic, and I, and I know you also kind of maybe studied music for a little while. Um, I don't know. Does because that because I had to because you had to? But d does that musicality kind of enter your work at all? Uh, well, lack of musicality, I would call it. <laughs> no, I, I really am the least musical person on this planet, um, and so uh, no, uh, <laughs> no. If if I were to clap to a song, it like takes me quite some time to actually <laughs> find the rhythm, uh, and, and so I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm glad you think that way. I don't think that this holds water. I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, it, it has something to do with rhythm and stuff. But I feel like for me, it's like painful trial and error. I mean, I can I can tell when the rhythm is off. Yeah. But it's really hard for me to actually get where it's not off anymore. And you know, and I feel like the same holds true for drawing. That yeah, I can tell when something looks terrible, but it's really hard to make it not look terrible. Yeah, <laughs> the struggle of like universally all art, right there, right? It's just like yeah, it looks terrible. Uh, I guess I'll figure out why. <laughs> or oh, change careers. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so you have set up a pretty great uh, year of, of freelance, and then you decide to start an iOS game, which would later be called Wide Sky, a game about a wonderful, beautiful hedgehog. Um, tell me a little bit about, 
first of all, why? Like, why that that transition? What got you into that? Um, well, I guess as a lot of people can relate, as a motion designer, you do a lot of app explainer videos, and you know, you kind of explain some digital product, and, you know, and, and sometimes you come up with some fake interface or something. Uh, and I always thought, yeah, this is kind of cool. You know, this is fun. This this sense of motion that you know a lot of interfaces had, and at the same time, Windows Phone Seven series came out, as it was called back then. Um, and I felt like it introduced this whole new paradigm of how um, interfaces would look uh, or could look, this whole metro look, this, this flat style. Yeah. It, it brought it to the mainstream, and I, I thought, oh, God, this is, this is really, really good. Like, this, this kind of, it was like watching a beautiful video. I felt like it, it ticked all the right boxes uh, for me, and I thought that kind of got me hungry to do something more. And then that coupled with a kind of semi not so cool experience with a client, um, I thought, yeah, okay, you know what, guys, I'm I'm out of it. <laughs> uh, no, um, it's more like I, I was young. Uh, I had I had some money and I had some time to um, to try something out. I didn't have that many responsibilities, and so I thought, yeah, you know, this is a pretty good time to just take some time off. I didn't think it would, you know, end up being 60 months or whatever it was. Um, I thought, yeah, maybe let's let's do one month. Let's not tell anyone about it. And if it doesn't work, um, I'll I'll trash the whole thing, pretend it never happened. <laughs> um, but you know, you get into it. It's it's a lot of fun, and then you get better and better, and then you know your your standards push you forward. And then you look at the stuff you did a month ago and think, this okay, this is no longer good. Uh, I have to redo the whole thing, and then I feel like <laughs> I I just did the exact same thing. I'm I'm working on a a game, probably not quite as ambitious as Wide Sky, but I I literally did that exact same thing. Yeah, and I feel like I had this multiple times. I felt like I, I probably developed three games within that year because uh, and to very fundamentals, I had to tear it all down uh, and and redo it again because at the end of the day, you want to attach your name to it. And you want this to be reflective of what you can do, and you don't want to, you know, cringe every time you see it. Um, and and so, yeah, you know, this this kind of virtuous cycle. You know, you get better, and then your old stuff is no longer good enough, and then then you redo it, and you learn more, and then you you also want more. Um, and so you go through that cycle, a couple of iterations, until you're out of money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And and then you know at some point you have to release a game, um, uh, yeah. And that was for me. Sixteen months later, uh, I also spent like two month two months on on the trailer alone, which obviously I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that was a lot of fun, but yeah, know, that of, was a beautiful like, trailer. Maybe, maybe thrown away time though. Um, yeah, I guess it, it was really to your original question. Uh, it was you know interfaces, these fake interfaces, um, and you know kind of just the right moment I felt like and I always thought of myself as a programmer I just hadn't coded that much yeah I'd been coding and like scripting yeah um, for Maya or uh, or After Effects um, and, and you know scripting is actually a really terrible experience I feel like I think some episodes back one of you guys said it's a really good introduction to programming I totally I totally disagree I think it's a, <laughs> it's a terrible introduction to programming <laughs> Regular programming interfaces are much nicer uh, than like way way more forgiving for sure. Yes, way more forgiving. You don't get a pop up every time you do something wrong, uh, and it's just also better syntax and easier to debug and and all of these things. Uh, sure. So um, you know, if if you're if anyone is already up and running in expressions, then I think the step to um, to, to coding on a, on a native platform would just feel like a huge relief. Oh yeah, for sure. It, it's amazing. Like I, the first time I remember stepping into Xcode and Swift, I like all of a sudden, like I typed something wrong and then it suggested what the right thing might be. And I'm like, what, what is this? That's amazing. Exactly. Yeah. So you've made this transition to start working on your game. You made a beautiful trailer, which I kind of want to talk about too. There's like, I feel like that was even like an evolution of style for you as well. Cause there was like quite a bit of 3d in there as well. Were you also like kind of learning cinema or Maya, uh, during that phase as well? I mean, 16 months is a long time. I mean, as far as just yeah. like learning goes. Uh, I actually had I had a huge personal project also somewhere on like distributed uh, over many drives uh, that, were, that was quite ambitious and that did a lot of like photorealistic 3D rendering. But oh, wow. I never 
I never really finished that. And then I thought, yeah, this is beyond rescue. Um, and so I kind of abandoned that. But I also had done some um, photo reel 3D work before. Those are the videos that are all now hidden <laughs> for, <laughs> for good reason. And so, I mean, yeah, I, I, did, so, I did more involved coding, I want to say, for the trailer. But most of the stuff I actually knew already. Wow, interesting. But but the, the annoying thing is with you know working in three D only every so often you forget everything and then sure. you know you have to relearn it every time you touch it. So with Wide Sky, if anyone out there has not played or seen Wide Sky, don't, don't do it. Don't don't download it. No, I don't do want to, do no, download it. Why why don't you want people to download it? No, I feel like uh, it's not a good game, and uh, <laughs> no. I, I don't want to. I don't want to delude people uh, <laughs> into, into thinking. Okay, okay. To to be fair, no, it is just, just it, watch the trailer. It, uh, I'll save you a dollar. You're welcome. It is. It is hard. It is. It is a difficult game, but it is beautiful, and just just for the menu and the beauty experience, it is worth downloading. Because I don't know. It's got like your eye for design and your eye for motion, like in the core of, of this app and I've never seen anything like it. And like, I feel like you, I don't know how many, how many millions of people downloaded it. Wasn't uh, your website say like 2 million people or something like that. Yeah. And that was, I mean, you know, I did not, most of these downloads obviously were not paid. Um, so that was all like promotions uh, ah, from, okay. from Apple and Starbucks. Interesting. So wait, Apple comes to you and they're like, we want to make your app free. And you're just like, okay. How does that work? Um, you get, yeah, they reach out to you and then they tell you, oh, you know, we love your game, something, something. Um, you know, there's this thing called free app of the week. I didn't really have any idea what that was. Uh, so, you know, oh, okay, it's like a banner on, on the app store. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, but you have to make your game free for that week. Hmm. And then I'm like, yeah, you know, fine. It, it, at this point, I, I thought, yeah, <laughs> this is not going to like... My nice car will have to wait. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I thought, yeah, why not? Um, but, you know, then you get like suddenly a ton, a ton of downloads. Uh, and, you know, people are very, very open and honest about uh, what they feel about the game. Sure. Um, so, you know, that, I mean, that was a very interesting experience. No, I bet. Let, let's talk about that for a bit. Because I know with motion design, even you in animation, you spend quite a bit of time on some of these shorter projects, right? Like you spend months just like toiling away at, you know, just a few seconds of animation, right? And I feel like you get pretty attached to that, like, right? Like, I don't know, you put yourself into these things that you make and Wide Sky was something that you spent a lot of time on and then it, it all of a sudden was in, in a very public place um, uh, consumed by a lot of people. How, what was that experience like? Um, that experience was terrible. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, you, I mean, the thing is I made so many mistakes and, you know, I have myself to blame for that. So, uh, I'm not trying to badmouth anyone or anything. Um, but you know, the game does not work very well as a game. I had not shown it to really anyone before I said, other than the, the sound designer, I think he was the only one that saw it. Uh, and I had lied to my whole family because I didn't really, you know, I thought of this year, this is kind of my year. I don't, I don't want your stupid feedback. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want you. I, don't, I want this to be my game, you know, be, yeah. uh, for better or worse, turns out for worse. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, you release it. And then uh, I, re I remember this. I, uh, I, I felt like I, I wouldn't want to leave the house. I, I lost like uh, 10 kilos, uh, oh, wow. like really went down in weight. Uh, what's, but I, I did finish three seasons of The Killing. It's an excellent, <laughs> it's an excellent show. Um, and so, you know, that, that was, uh, but, you know, it's an interesting experience. It, it kind of shapes you. It, um, you know, uh, it, uh, it lets you never, ever do a game again. <laughs> but it also, you know, you learn a lot. And uh, I wouldn't want to miss that part of the experience either. Um, but, but that said, it was a very interesting time. Yeah, well, I hope I can be a bit of an encouragement to you because I downloaded Wide Sky and it was like, oh my gosh, like Marcus Eckert made this. I love his work. Like maybe this means that I, like I can do this. Like I can try to make a game. Like Marcus did it. This was his first game and it's amazing. I thought it was beautiful. It was unlike anything I had ever seen. Um, so yeah, I, that just to say... It definitely inspired me 
um, to get into coding more. So, and I, and I, I know that there are definitely other people out there, out there like that too. Um, would, I'm curious, would you have any advice for motion designers who are looking to um, get into creative coding, if you will? Um, well, have a project. Um, I think just picking up a book and trying to go through that book and thinking at the end of that book, I'll, I'll learn how to code. It's, it's not how it works, really. At least not for me. And I, I, I would guess not for most people. Uh, and so I thought, if you have a goal in mind, if you have something you want to realize, and I think that's a, a very good way to go, because then also you have a, a set of questions. Mm. And I feel like those questions, they will guide you along your way. You don't need someone to take your hand, because frankly, there won't be anyone to take your hand. So you're, you're very self-reliant, but you know, the internet has all the answers, you just, especially when you're starting out. Uh, and so you know, if you have a question, like, let's say, you know, I want to make a game about a headshot. Okay, how do I start? Okay, I need Xcode, and I probably need a Mac. Okay, get those things. And then, okay, how do you draw something on the screen? Oh, there's this thing, it's called OpenGL. But there are also frameworks that kind of make it easier. So what's a framework? Okay, you find that out. And so step by step, you have these questions. Um, and these questions, at the end of the day, they guide you. And, you know, they're shaped by your, your goal that you have in mind. And, and I think, first of all, that goal also keeps the motivation up because, yeah, it, it takes quite a lot of time. But it's not that hard as people make it, make it out to be. Uh, it's very much attainable. You just, I think motivation is the most difficult part. But if you have something you burn for and if you really have a clear goal in mind, um, I, I think it's very much attainable and it's not that hard. And so that, that would be my advice. But, you know, don't listen to me. I think that's, that's the first <laughs> advice I would give. So Wide Sky finishes up. What did you do next? Did you jump back into motion design or did you decide, like, I want to do programming now? Well, after the game, uh, 10 kilos lighter, uh, I, d I decided, yeah, let's go back into motion design. I need money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I did that. But I also, you know, then you, you also get, you know, people, oh, I saw the game and it's kind of awesome. And in that second, like, not financially, just from the, the app store, but you know, just uh, giving me the possibility to pivot in my career. In that sense, it worked really well. And I got a lot of contacts um, and a lot of people um, reaching out. And so one of them was, uh, I don't know if some of you might have, uh, some of the people listening to this might have heard about it. It's called the Astonishing Tribe. Um, they were a prototyping company in uh, Sweden. And they were sold to BlackBerry, did the BlackBerry um, 10 or something. Yeah. Um, and they also did a first iteration of Android and, and stuff like that. So they were a very influential kind of prototyping company. And some people spun out of that company and founded their own company. And they reached out to me uh, uh, from Sweden. And so I went to Sweden for like three months or something. And did, you know, a lot of, got really more into this kind of field. I did a lot of motion design, but also, you know, it uh, kind of touched on everything. And that's kind of where, where I felt like, okay, now I'm, I, I do want to pivot, kind of, and I, I can pivot also. Um, and they offered me a job. I turned that job down. But, you know, more, more like jobs like these kept coming. And eventually I would, I would code for some people and did a prototype for, uh, for, for some company in England. And, um, and, yeah, so like step by step kind of from motion design, even though I was still doing that, I was getting more and more into coding and also enjoying that much more. But, but you know, at the end of the day, you, you do leverage um, your experience you have from motion design and, and use that in code. And I think it made me a better coder. And I, I still get, get that today that, you know, people say, oh, it's so rare that people have a, s a sense of motion and an understanding of motion design, but can also code and, and translate that into interactive experiences. Yeah, and I'm curious, after spending that long on Wide Sky, I mean, coding every single day for over a year, did that also influence your animated work and your motion design work? Um, yeah, well, I, uh, I scripted a lot more. I mean, when I did the trailer for the game, I, I scripted quite heavily in Maya because I felt like I have a much better grasp of these concepts. And, mm. uh, you know, it, it also gives you a sense of agency because suddenly you're capable of so much more and you know it, it opens up things and when you look at an app you have um, a much deeper insight and you know now it's ubiquitous and so I feel like also from that personal level 
um, it influenced a lot. But I mean, at the end of the day, beyond being able to script a little better, I, I wouldn't say too much. Yeah. So now you are doing mostly programming. From, from what I yes. understand, but you're also um, working on a couple different frameworks that I think are really exciting. Um, a, a huge area moving forward um, just with uh, the, what, what Google's doing with material design and just the general like app development culture, I think, is, is really motion aware now and, and just trying to um, use animation and motion with purpose. Uh, but there aren't a lot of really great tools to help animators and coders and programmers and app developers work together. Um, so first, let's talk about uh, Squall, uh, which is something that you're, you're kind of working on right now. Can you tell us what is Squall? Right. Um, so Squall is an extension for After Effects. You, you put it in there, and then ideally you have a companion app or um, some you know, something that runs on iOS. Um, and so you, it's an extension that talks from After Effects to your phone. And what it does is it analyzes the scene graph, the hierarchy, uh, it extracts information it needs, and then rebuilds those animations in code. It doesn't really, you know, it doesn't render out the animation, but, but rebuilds them in code so you can, first of all, preview it right on your device. So with one click, you can, you can then see it on your device. Um, but also you can then later use it. You can write it out to a file and use it in your own app. Um, and so that's, that's, at the end of the day, the gist of it. I mean, it works with uh, vector animations, so you won't be able to, you know, it's not After Effects on the phone, but it's mostly vector animations. Um, and so, yeah, I felt like, because especially shape animations are really, really hard to do in your head and really, really annoying, and then also to really get the, um, the easing right it takes a lot of it takes just a lot of insight into how these things on iOS really work, um, and I thought you know I could leverage the stuff that I've learned and, and make a tool uh, for people to use. Yeah, Squall's in in beta right now. Correct? Do you have like a uh, yes. uh, plan for future rollout, or is it still kind of up in the air? Um, well, you know, had you asked me that two months two months ago, I would have said, "Oh, it's probably already out." But uh, but you know, with the software, you kind of never know. And yeah. so I feel like I, I still have, you know, from time to time, I come up with a crazy idea where I feel like, okay, I can't release it without that crazy idea in there. Sure. Um, and so you know, you kind of push yourself forward. It's again kind of a cycle again, um, and it kind of you know keeps pushing the release date further and further. I don't have a set release date in mind, but I, I do think it's you know. It's it's not years away. Uh, it's not days away, but it's not years away. I think maybe two months or something. Sweet. That seems realistic. And and you can find out more information about that at squall.no, so S-Q-U-A-L-L dot N-O. Um, and there's a beta sign-up over there. Um, and just a, a little personal endorsement. Uh, for someone who doesn't know that much about code, I was able to get up and running pretty quickly um just a few lines of code the the uh i don't know the the window sits right in after effects it's, it's wonderful so I, I recommend anyone just give it a try um, yes so you're also working on a framework called meek um can you tell us a little bit about that yeah um so when i was working on the game um i used coco studio but you know, I started thinking, okay, this is kind of restrained, but, you know, I want to do these things and that things. And so I looked into the source code and, um, and kind of figured out how it worked. And then I started hacking it. And at the end of the day, the game runs on, um, on some person, like I want to say 10, 20% Cocoa CD, but the rest is kind of an elaborate hack. And so after that, I did some prototyping work for some people and showed these prototyping works for some inter job interviews I had. And some people were really impressed kind of and, you know, told me, oh, this is really cool. So what are you going to do with it? And I, I hadn't really thought about it and <laughs> didn't, really think it was, didn't really think it was that cool, but it kind of encouraged me to rethink this whole thing and rewrite it from the ground up. And that was, I want to say, two years ago. And since then, I've kind of wrote my own UI framework. So a UI framework is basically uh, it, it, it makes the objects that you see when you turn on your phone. So when you want to write text, it's actually quite complicated to write text 
and to tell the graphics card to make text. Um, and so you abstract some of the complications away, and that's really is a framework. So at the end of the day, as a programmer, you just want to say, make some text and write this. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what the framework does. But the frame, my framework is geared towards animations and, uh, and certain aspects of object creation. Um, it, it runs on OpenGL, and at the end of the day, it's also a huge... Uh, I don't really plan to release that because it's, you really have to know how to use it. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's, it's also a huge, huge thing, especially for one person. Uh, but it's also a huge learning experience. Uh, and it's, it's also incredibly, it's, it's a huge amount of fun. Yeah. And also, I actually now get to use it in real world uh, applications, which is frightening, but <laughs> also, also uh, interesting. So what are you working on now? Um, I've been told multiple times not to say too much. Oh, okay, so I all can, right. Uh, I can, I can say that much. It's, it's a video app. Uh, and uh, I feel like we're pushing the boundaries a little bit of what's, what's possible with Sweet. video apps. Uh, and I'm using the framework extensively, so that's cool. Um, yeah. It's a really fun project. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Would you say that now people are bringing you in on, because you, you're doing full-time programming right now, correct? Yes. But I'm, I'm guessing just because of, you know, you've got Meek kind of sitting there like on like that you can apply to projects you've got squall in the works would you say that people are also kind of hiring you for your animation and in your feel for motion to be able to apply to their apps as well oh yeah um definitely i think um i was on reuters before and yeah. we, we launched we launched an app it's called reuters tv and, and i think i started as a motion designer for them and then you know half a year in they thought or they kind of found out oh you, you also code that's weird do oh, you want to wow. code for us yeah. do you want to code for us and i thought well that's kind of reckless you don't know anything <laughs> <laughs> uh, about how i code but they did have a lot of trust in me and but they also, you know, appreciated the sense of motion. And I think, you know, a lot of people approach me for, hey, you know, we have this app, but it kind of lacks pizzazz. Can you please, <laughs> add, add, pizzazz? please add pizzazz to it? And I'm like, okay, that's great. Um, so, you know, I, I get to do the fun parts um, programming-wise. And, yeah, definitely this, this is kind of my shtick, I want to say, this uh, bridge between motion and code. Yeah. So how do you kind of see that? that playing out and evolving like where do you see do you think that um more motion designers and animators should should learn to code or do you think that tools just need to evolve to a place where it's a bit easier or maybe both well i guess both would be ideal but um well just from a personal standpoint i think everyone should learn to code because it's a lot of fun and as i said it, it kind of also gives you back the sense of agency that you that you're not you know you're not a victim of your device any longer you have an understanding of how these things work. Or you can weigh in on a debate like, should Apple um, decrypt this phone of this yeah. uh, San Bernardino guy? Or, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's going to become more and more important. And I think uh, some, some understanding, you don't have to you know, be able to, I don't know, uh, go really low level. But I think some understanding is just really satisfying on the personal level. And it also gets you further, I think, in your job. But that said, you know, I think we live in the real world. Not everyone can do everything. Uh, and so I think the tools are going to evolve. And you already see that. I just feel like it's so weird that Apple hasn't come up with anything that helps you do animations. Yeah, especially it's, with what Google's doing. Like, I feel like Google's doing some really interesting stuff, at least in the education space, as far as like, this is how motion should work within our apps and things like that. And Apple right. really hasn't kept up with that. But the weird thing is, I don't think this is how motion works in their apps. Yeah. I feel like if, if you see the pre-rendered, um, you know, After Effects kind of stuff that they pushed out and said, oh, this is how motion should work in their apps. Yeah, I agree. This is how it should work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but this is not how it works. <laughs> I don't own a Google uh, so phone, I, so I don't, I don't even know. I, I just assume it works that way. But that's too bad. Um, well, I don't have a Google phone either. But, you know, I had Inbox for, for the iPhone. Yeah, and yeah. I thought... This does not look like your pre-rendered stuff. I feel cheated. <laughs> uh, no, but I think, um, well, you know, maybe I'm, you know, uh, maybe it's way better on the on Android. I don't know. As far as I know, Android is, has come a long way and is, is uh, really, really good right now. Um, but you know, from what I've seen, I feel like there is still this uh, this divide, this kind of things that get lost in translation between, you know, they have excellent motion designers, they have excellent coders. 
Um, but I, I guess, you know, when they talk to each other, things just get lost in translation. What do you think is the way that we can kind of overcome those hurdles? I mean, obviously you're working on Squall, which is a cool way to do that. Um, but I think there's still, I don't know, there's a lot of work to be done. <laughs> not, um, on, not on Squall, I just mean like as the, the industry as a whole and like fixing that communication problem. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, um, I think one, one thing is for each side to learn more of the other side. But I guess the onus is really on the motion designer to learn more, more to code. Hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I guess the tools will have to come, uh, will really have to bridge the gap. I think it's weird that Xcode has uh, interface builder, but not nothing really animation-wise. And it's still really hard to get any decent animation out of out of iOS, just boilerplate iOS, it's very, and it's not, it's clearly not done with animation in mind. And I think Apple is not, Apple is not a good example of how to do animation. Um, I think if you look at the animation, especially when iOS 7 came out and you had this home screen animation, it would take like two seconds or something. Or, or the full screen animation on the Mac, it takes like two seconds or something to full screen something. It's painful. So, you know, in that sense, I think Microsoft is actually uh, doing a, a really good job in motion. Um, but yeah, I think the tools will, will have to evolve. So what is your, what is your day to day like now, uh, now that you're kind of a freelance programmer? I mean, I know you can't talk specifically about what, uh, your current project is, but yeah, what, what is day to day like for you? Um, well, I, I work remotely, so my clients sit mostly in the U S uh, I live in Norway and so I have a shared office space. I usually go there try to do kind of nine to five-ish, but, you know, with the time divide, uh, you know, it, it kind of shifts a little bit. But, you know, I, I go there, I work, the end. And, you know, uh, well... well um, do you, do you I, have I a PlayStation 3 that you can come home and, and play video games on? <laughs> no, you see, my mom did such a good job of ingraining uh, this disdain for consoles in me <laughs> that it's now, it's now self-sustaining. She doesn't even need to reinforce it. Wow. It's, it's ingrained. So it's the perfect inception. Yes. Uh, so she's really good at that. It could be research now. I mean, you, you're a game developer, right? You've, you've developed these things. Like, I feel like, you know, you, do you play PC games or anything like that or iOS games? No, I don't play any iOS games. And uh, I mean, now iOS games, especially when I was working on the game, it used to make me antsy. Uh, and I feel like, oh, God, oh God, this is so much better. I'm never going to get there. <laughs> I felt like it was just stressful to play any game. Mm. Um, and PC games, I think the last one I played was Bioshock Infinite. Oh, yeah. It was very good. It was very good, but I feel like, ah, uh, you know, no, I, I, don't, I don't game a lot. I don't, I don't play a lot. I don't know why. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's also thanks to my mom. I yeah. Don't know. <laughs> I mean, your life might have been dramatically different if you had won that PlayStation 3. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'd be, I'd be homeless. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you see yourself... Uh, headed in the future, like what? What is the future for Marcus Eckert? The future for Marcus Eckert is we're going to bed in a couple hours. Uh, <laughs> no, no, but uh, yeah, I guess I I don't dare to make predictions. You know, uh, three years ago, uh, had you told me, oh, three years from now you're going to live in Norway and you're going to be a programmer, uh, I would have been like, no, that's probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I I don't dare to make predictions. I th I think the programming stuff works really well for me and I also uh, I really enjoy the technical parts of it so I guess the future is being a freelancer for some time more and you know um, putting out some some tools that maybe help people I think that's also cool and fun yeah um, yeah and so I, I dare not make predictions <laughs> what would you say that you are are learning now what, what would you say that um, or you're trying to learn more more OpenGL, I guess, low-level stuff to talk to the graphics card. I looked into Metal and how that works. And now there's, I don't know, for people who don't know, OpenGL is kind of a way to talk to the graphics card to tell it, hey, draw a circle and do this and do that. So it's an interface language in a way. Um, and Apple released Metal, which is kind of their version of OpenGL. It's now faster and, you know, it's more convenient. And the people who did OpenGL, they're also releasing a new version, but which is not coming to iOS devices. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, Google is adopting it, so it's kind of kind of sad, kind of 
Mm. You know, I, I'm hoping that Apple will adopt it as kind of a second thing or something. Yeah. Um, it's called Vulcan. And so I'm looking into these things and, and learning a lot. But also, you know, just from, uh, from day to day, I'm still learning a lot of how OpenGL works and how to do things better and really tweak the performance and also programming concepts. You, you never stop learning. I also do a lot of C++ work. So C++ is kind of a never-ending pool of weird syntax and weirdness to be learned and to know. And so, you know, I, I'm getting into that a lot. I'm curious, do, would you have any suggestions as far as um, listeners who might um, not do any coding right now, maybe just scripting and After Effects is their first part of their journey? Um, what language would you recommend starting in? I, I know that there's certainly dozens of options, uh, but it can be a bit daunting if you don't know too much. Right. Um, and, you know, just uh, from the get-go, I would say you can't really pick wrong that much hmm. because once you know a language... Learning another language is not that hard because the concepts, you just, they're the same concepts. There are very few things that are unique to a language. There are just different ways of expressing it, um, you know. So it really depends on what you want to do. I mean, if you want to work on the web, JavaScript seems like an obvious choice. Um, it's terrible. I hate JavaScript. I hate working <laughs> on the web. But, you know, but maybe you're not me. Uh, and so maybe that's fun. Um, if, on iOS, probably... I would still learn Objective-C and Swift. Hmm. Um, Swift, if you, if you really feel like you want to be on the bleeding edge and not care about old stuff, but you're going to run into a lot of Objective-C and I think some understanding. It's not hurtful. And as I said, switching from one language to another, it won't take that long once you, once you have a grasp of the concepts. Um, and so, yeah, I think those languages are excellent choices. If you want to go like, you uh, want to go really deep, then C++ is, is a good choice. It's really old, um, but it has also some modern, new modern features, but it can be a bit daunting. So, you know, maybe not, don't start with that. But I think if you, uh, if you start with the Apple platforms and if you want to develop on that, those are the ones I can speak to. Maybe Android uh, is really excellent as well. I don't know. But um, I, as I said, you can't really pick wrong, but Swift, Objective-C, if you want to get started. What is, I'm curious, what is the closest to what people are using in After Effects? Oh, um, After Effects is actually, I think it's a variant of JavaScript. It, it actually, you can use tools that interpret JavaScript and interpret the expression language from After Effects. There are just some weird differences, hmm. but it's basically a dialect from JavaScript. So if you're familiar with that, then yeah. So I'm curious, is there anything, well, do you see yourself ever getting back into motion design? Or are there any, like, back burner projects that you're working on? Um, well, I, I'm now working on this tool for After Effects. So in that sense, I'm, I'm, learning, I'm learning a lot of, uh, about After Effects that I didn't know, just, ah. you know, to support some yeah. weird feature. And to, to get really, for, now I'm looking in um, text animators, for example. Text animators are something I've never really used extensively. Um, but yeah, there are some like really weird settings, and you know, in order in, in order to make it work for the plugin, you have to understand what they're doing without being able to look at their code. So you kind of have to do a lot of tests, you know, run a lot of things through After Effects, and kind of come up with a theory of okay, what is that here? What what does it actually do? And yeah. what, what does it look like behind the scenes? Um, so in that sense, I'm getting into motion. But I mean, from time to time, I always enjoy having a you know, doing the animal for the show. Uh, that's, that's one reason to pick up After Effects again. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from time to time, it really, you know, tingles in my fingers and I, I really want to want to get back into After Effects and, and do something. But um, from the job, there's that much need right now. Well, we try to end each episode with kind of a few of the same questions. Uh, so the first is, who is your dream client? Um, well, um, I, th I feel like I, I've had my dream clients or I have my dream clients. The dream client is someone who, who doesn't tell you you can do whatever you want because then I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, left hanging. I don't yeah. know like what I want in that sense. Um, I would just continue on working on the stuff I'm already working on. But I guess someone who puts a lot of trust in you, uh, someone, you know, who lets you go out and experiment and just... You know, sometimes they would just tell me, 
hey, you know, just you know, make it make it delightful and whimsical or something. And, you know, I, I think that's that's enough guidance I need. And okay, I have to work on on this button or whatever. Um, and and someone who also trusts you to go kind of into unexplored territory. You know, you're hired to do one thing, so it's cool if they let you do another thing as well. And you know, if they're decent, if they're decent people as well, that that also helps. And so in that sense, I feel like I've had really good clients in the past, and also the clients I'm working for now. I, I have no complaints. So it's really hard even to, to come up with something I'm missing. Yeah. All right, next question. Favorite animated film? Um, favorite animated film would probably be a tie, I want to say, between Princess Mononoke and uh, Ghost in the Shell. All right. Great choices. Uh, next question: What do people you love think that you do? Maybe mom or dad, or well, I mean, motion design is much harder to communicate. That's that true. They, they never really got a grasp of what that is, uh, and so, but you know, apps you kind of can point to your phone. You know, the stuff that's on there. That's that's what I do, uh, and I feel like that works pretty well. So I feel like they they probably have a pretty accurate sense of yeah. what I do. Yeah, yeah. All right, last question. What animal did you choose for your animalator avatar and why? Um, a cat. Uh, I, guess, I guess a cat can be drawn in a way that doesn't need to be um, anatomically accurate. Uh, and so I feel like I can't draw that well. So I thought you know, maybe just, just a ball with a tail and uh, a cute face. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, it takes a lot of pressure off of me. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. Well, Marcus, thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Animalators is part of the Gradient Podcast Network and created in collaboration between Identity Visuals and Gradient. To learn more about the work we're doing at Identity Visuals, check out identityvisuals.com or follow us on Twitter at Identity Visuals. And don't forget to go check out the brand new, just-launched website from Gradient, gradient.is. You can also find them on Facebook or follow them on Twitter at gradient.is. That's gradient, D-O-T-I-S. And you can follow us on Twitter at Animalators. Animalators.com is another great website you should check out. There you can see Marcus's Animalator and all the other incredible Animalators from previous guests who have been on our podcast. The theme music to the show was written and produced by Cody Fry. Check out more of his work at codyfry.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, or you can listen to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Overcast, Google Play, YouTube, really anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And if you're into this podcast, we'd love for you to leave a review or drop us a note. We always love getting your feedback, and when you leave us a review on iTunes, it helps other animators find this podcast too. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I can't wait to be back in a couple weeks for another episode of Animalators. Curious conversations from the world of animation. <laughs>